Seeking mental health care can be overwhelming and even scary, but it doesn't have to be. I'm Dr. Josephine McNary, and I'm committed to making this process easier for you. Each week, my expert guest and I unravel a different form of therapeutic intervention in order to bring comfort and understanding and to help you get back to your true self. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Mind Stories. Today, I'm pleased to have on as our guest, Benjamin Russick. Benjamin is a licensed marriage and family therapist based out of San Francisco. With over 15 years of experience working in the field of addiction, he also specializes in family systems and Jungian archetypal therapy. He currently runs a private practice out of San Francisco and also hosts a podcast focused on mental health called Look, Just Tell Me What to Do. Today, we talk about open-ended versus solution-oriented therapy, the how, the when, and the why. Welcome, Benjamin. I'm excited to have on as our guest, Benjamin Rusek. Welcome. Hi, how are you? Good. So we have a lot to talk about today and the main conversation, and I'm ready to have this with you because we haven't really discussed this too much on the podcast, has to do with solution focused versus open-ended therapy. Mm-hmm. What are those? Solution focused is much more direct. It's like someone might come in and say, hey, I, I, have a, I want to take my career up to the next level hey, I want to stop using heroin. Hey, I need to control my anger issues. And they usually have something very specific and concrete that they want to work on. And solution-focused therapy traditionally involves, you know, just sort of working through a, a, like you would a, through a math problem, figuring things out. There's other forms of therapy that are solution-focused, like motivational interviewing, where you ask questions to get the person to a specific solution or you can just be very direct and say, hey, this is what I think you should be doing. Uh, it really depends. Just Meeting very specific, concrete goals. That's what that's about. Would you say that most people go into therapy stating concrete goals? Yeah. Uh, at least in my world, they do. I, I Half of my practice is with uh, chemical dependency. And so folks come in usually after they've been an inpatient like Betty Ford for a few weeks, and they need to do things like not relapse. And so it's like, okay, we got to get you into an AA or NA meeting. We have to find you a sponsor. We have to make sure that you're seeing your psychiatrist, that you're seeing your doctor. We have to make sure that you're up on your house payments so your house doesn't get you know, reclaimed by the government. So it's usually in the outset of therapy, things are pretty concrete. Also, usually when people come to therapy, there's a lot of fires in their lives. And if you have things on fire, that therapy isn't going to work. If you're you know, if, let's say, for instance, you have an ongoing feud with your, I don't know, your sister or something like that. It's really hot and you guys are leaving nasty messages every day. And it's just really, it's disrupting your whole life and you need very direct intervention on that. And I do a lot of communication issues too, stuff, but communication techniques are also very goal oriented. Like here, say it this way, you know, count to 10 before responding to that person. It can be very directive. So or if someone is in mid-relapse, I might get them you know, into a facility, or I might get them a sober companion, or I might get them into a sober living environment and just case manage them until their lives are stable enough to do what they need to do. It's kind of like if you were to take a, you know, a probiotic, it's almost like you can't digest the therapy if you're not in a place where you can process information. What good is working on your childhood trauma and the unresolved grief you have around your father's death from five years ago you know, if you can't pay your bills? If you can't get a job, if you keep rolling your car because you keep drinking and driving, you know, so I'm, I don't drop in and start doing the open-ended material for usually sometimes over a month or more. Right. Let's get into describing, you described it a little bit, open-ended therapy. What, what does that look like? 
Open-ended therapy is the goal, I guess, if there, there is no goal, but the goal would be to allow the patient to have a healing experience in the room. So if they have some childhood trauma, if they have some grief that they need to work through, they need to be able to grieve in the room. And you're not going to do that by being directive. You have to do that by inviting them to speak on what they feel comfortable speaking about. So if a client comes in and I know that they have, that they want, that they want to work on some deeper issues, I have to kind of let them land in the room. I can't say, okay, we'll talk about your mother now. I have to say, how's your mom doing? You know, I might even ask a patient that if their mom's been dead for several years, because they, they have a communication with their parent, how's, how's, how's she been? How's your, have you been talking to your mom again? You know, and that kind of thing and see where they, oh, I don't want to talk about that today. Okay, well then, then that's fine. So open-ended therapy is very much meeting the patient where the patient is at, allowing the patient to change the subject if they want to, to return to something that you were talking about earlier, to stop the conversation altogether and go to something goal-oriented if they need to. Open-ended therapy is about really figuring out where the patient is at and letting the patients, letting the patient drive the session. With goal-oriented therapy, it's kind of like I'm driving the session. Right. So I could imagine it might be confusing to decide what someone might need and how to find out if their therapist or psychologist is a solution-focused or an open-ended type of therapist. You ask them. Yeah. And a lot of therapists can be really annoying because you can say, well, well, how should I handle this problem? I say, well, how do you think you should handle it? When the client is cl- patient is clearly asking for direction, a lot of therapists don't know that they're on one side or the other. So if you ask a therapist and they kind of give you a weird answer, if you ask a question like, do you give direct feedback or are you more open-ended? If they say something like, well, what is your definition of those things? Then you know you've got yourself someone you don't want to deal with. <laughs> you know, They should be able to answer that clearly. What does it mean? What does solution-focused therapy look like? What does open-ended therapy look like? What kind of questions would you ask? Would be, I mean, open-ended therapy also involves like narrative therapy. It involves psychodynamic therapy. It involves dream analysis. It involves or can. So a seasoned therapist should be able to give you a pretty strong outline of what that looks like. Right. And I think it also really depends on what you're looking for, right? And some people, for some people, open-ended therapy is exactly what they're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. And it's what they need. And like, you know, I'll have folks in and we'll be we'll doing very directive therapy for the first few weeks. And then I'll start to go into the open-ended stuff and they'll get really uncomfortable mm-hmm. and you can tell it's too soon. And some people come in looking for open-ended therapy and it's actually not what they need because they've had open-ended therapy for years and they just kind of come in and they're a little bit too comfortable with it in a way. They need something more direct. So it's it's tricky sometimes because sometimes the patient wants something very direct, but they need open-ended. So I guess one question I have for you is if a client asks you what you do, what do you say? Well, I say at the beginning of therapy, I'm very solution oriented. If you have fires in your life, we're going to try to put them out. We're going to identify your goals, where you want to be in six months, one year, three years, five years. What are the big nuts that need cracking in your life? And then I explain to them, this is a bit pejorative, whatever neurotic tendency someone might have that's throwing them off track in life, let's say they get they have an anger issue or they have an addiction issue or they get depressed, there's always something beneath that. Mm-hmm. And so what I tell the patient is, look, I give them a mini lecture on psychology. I say, you know, there's the shallow end of therapy and there's the deep end. The shallow end of the therapy is concrete. It's do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, fix these things. Start taking your medications every day, uh, like as prescribed. That, that would be something that I would work, we would work on, you know? And then there's the deep end. And this is the deep end is not measurable. Nobody knows if it works, but it seems to. 
And this is what it looks like. It looks like talking about your childhood. It looks like reliving experiences from your childhood. So you can, I might talk about transference. I might say, I'll say then let's pretend you have a father issue and your father never listened to you. And you might project an image of your father onto me, but I'll listen to you. So you have what's called a reparative experience where you can yell and scream and be very angry at your father. And I won't come down on you like a ton of bricks. That is the deep end of therapy, those types of things. But those types of things are not something that you and I are going to get into, I'll say, for at least a couple of months, because that's really, really deep stuff. And we can also do dream analysis. And it's all about it's all about finding out what's beneath the surface. So dream analysis is like one way, in my opinion, to get beneath the surface and figure out what's bubbling up underneath. It's kind of like another analogy is, you know, if you see an outcropping of granite on the land, there's you can always guarantee that there's like certain layers beneath it that are pushing up the granite to make it come up. So what are those layers? What's down there? Another analogy is if there's like a, a forest fire and it gets, it, it, sometimes forest fires can smolder underground for months and then the summer comes and then everything catches fire again. So part of our job is to figure out where, where some of those glowing embers are buried so we can put them out before summer comes. So I'll have, I'll have a million analogies and I'll basically give the prospective patient a little preview of what I think therapy does and how psychology works. And I'll spend about Oh, 20 minutes to almost, almost a half an hour on the phone with them before we even schedule, just talking about my process. So they know exactly who I am and exactly how I work. Right. So it's interesting, this idea that not all therapists are one or the other. Yep. Most therapists are a blend of the two, but they should be able to describe how they do that. I would think so. I think that it's disingenuous not to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that a lot of therapists, and I'm, I'm very critical of other therapists, I suppose, because my dad is a therapist, so I've got my own stuff there. But uh, a lot of therapists, they like to be too coy, I think, about what they do. And I think that describing therapy is like describing anything else. You should, if you, I mean, you're you're a psychiatrist, right? And so you can talk about neurons in the way that the, I'm going to mess this up, but you know, the way different drugs turn off and on different receptors in the brain, there's a whole, you can really sit down with a whiteboard and really describe it. Hey, this is what we're doing. This is what's happening. Anybody who's a professional should be able to do that to some degree, hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. Well, so one other thing I wanted to talk to you about another aspect of your professional life, but there's a lot of overlap, I'm sure, yeah. um, in terms of your podcast, which I love the name. Look, just tell me what to do, yeah. which is very solution focused. It is. It is. And the reason I the reason it's entitled that is because I've heard so many stories of people being frustrated with the therapists and they just want to be told what to do. So that's kind of the, the thrust of it is very concrete direction about most things but not all things. Cause the, the, the irony is, is that of course, at the end of the day, it's not really ethical for a therapist to just tell their patient what to do. We're not supposed to really give advice. We're supposed to lead the patient to a better solution or help sort of co-create the solution with the patient. So what type of things do you talk about? I have about five or six episodes on addiction. So we talk about the 12 steps. We talk, there's one called the functional alcoholic where I interview someone who was drinking every day. She was actually apparently nearly blackout drunk during the interview. And I never knew that. And she doesn't remember most of it. So that's pretty fascinating. I talk about ambivalence and addiction. I talk about, I interviewed a garbage man uh, who was a friend of mine because community health is also something interesting. Like how do you you recycle? Where do you leave your stuff on the curb? And then also what's it like to wake up every day at 11 p.m. and work until 8 a.m.? How does that affect your mental health? I did one on how people believe in conspiracy theories and why. 
I did one, a whole one on, you know, looking at people's varying positions on things like vaccines and, and politics and that kind of thing. I did stuff on dating, the difficulty of dating in San Francisco, which is, of course, a nightmare. You're in Santa Monica, so you don't have to deal with that, which is fantastic. And <laughs> I can interview my mom. We're going to talk about the uh, her mental health when she was a uh, young woman, first having kids in the 60s, and um, what that was like. I'm going to uh, interview my good friend, Sam Lamont. We're starting a uh, video production company together. And we're going to, I think we're going to have a, a conversation about uh, mental health and friendship and how do you make new friends when you're an adult. Does that answer your question? Yeah. It seems like all topics you probably address with your individual clients in therapy. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. And I have, that's the re- reason I make the podcast is that I can direct patients to, you know, Hey, here's this episode on depression. Here's an episode on anxiety. Here's an episode on uh, managing teenagers. Or here's a specific episode on, you know, like I really need to do an episode just on uh, marijuana addiction because mm-hmm. that's becoming a bigger and bigger, and bigger deal, of course, for obvious reasons. And there needs to be one. So, yeah, sounds like a great resource. Yeah. For people. I hope so. Yeah. People can take a piece of you outside of their session. And well, it's also helpful because people can also listen to my podcast before they come in to see me. Right. So I see a few teenagers and a lot of times the teenagers really get a kick out of listening. Like, this is what I'll sound like. Cause I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of direct and I like to think humorous on my podcast. And so people, you know, teens get a kick out of it. Yeah. I'm glad that you enlightened us about open-ended therapy versus solution focused therapy. It, it, as I said in the beginning, it's a topic that we actually haven't really addressed on the mm-hmm. podcast. And I think it's actually a really important question when people are thinking about therapy and understanding what therapy is and what the process is behind yeah. it. I think also part of my influence comes, my dad was a psychiatrist and he, he was part of the Jung Institute in San Francisco. And he actually made the switch from prescribing meds, just doing talk therapy. So growing up, I had a lot of exposure to the silver bullet philosophy versus yeah. Talk. He was doing he was doing dream analysis. I mean, Jungian therapy. So I was raised around the different, the wrestling match between those two philosophies, and it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, you had mentioned that you had a father who is is there was a psychotherapist, and um, I was kind of wanting to ask what type of therapy he he did. Yeah, dream analysis. I mean, he was in analysis with this guy Joe Henderson for a long time, who was a basically a disciple of Carl Jung. Yeah. So my dad was kind of like the third generation Jungian analyst. I suppose they get into archetypes and myths and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will make sure your information is on the episode description. So if someone wants to learn about you or your podcast, they can easily access that before we say goodbye. Any last words you want to leave the the listener with? Sure. I don't know why this just came to me. If you're ever in a situation where you don't know what to do or say, just tell the truth even if it doesn't make any sense. And even if your voice is shaking and it doesn't, you're not quite sure. And you don't, don't try to make something up. Just if you're with a therapist or you're with a friend or with somebody and you're kind of, your tongue is tied or you don't just, just tell the person where you're at. Like, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm experiencing. This is what I think. I don't even know if it's right. And just say that. And because whenever someone's listening to you, whenever they hear the truth, even if they don't like it or they disagree with it, part of them, they'll hear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always love asking that question because I get such great answers at the end of these conversations. I hope that was a good answer. I don't know. I thought it was perfect. Well, thanks for being on. I appreciate it. Sure. All right. Take care. This has been Mind Stories with me, Josephine McNary of Cal Psychiatry. 
With online psychiatry in California and 13 offices throughout Southern California and the Bay Area, Cal Psychiatry specializes in medication management, ADHD, anxiety disorders, alternative therapies, women's mental health, and more. Visit us at calpsychiatry.com and let us help you get back to your true self. Thanks for listening to Mind Stories, and don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe.